Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I'm interviewing Nellie H. Steele, a prolific author of a variety of genres including urban fantasy, time travel, adventure, and cozy mystery, sometimes all combined. We're going to talk about her inspirations, opinions on writing, and gain some understanding of what comes next. So without any more preamble, let's dive right into the interview. Let's uh, let's talk about you. What's your what's your background and what made you want to become an author? So um, my background's actually in statistics and data science, which is where I have those uh, nonfiction uh, works under my real name. So it gets you know a little bit confusing if somebody's trying to look up my fiction work and they find like you know how to do intro statistics with mini tab or something like that. It's very <laughs> off putting for most people. Sure. Um, we're definitely not the most popular people on campus. I'm a college professor in stats and data science, and um, I'm never the most popular person uh, <laughs> on campus that students want to take classes with. Um, but uh, I actually always wanted to write a book, uh, but I had spent a lot of time focusing on my career, lots of time getting a PhD, uh, lots of time studying data science and then building a um, a career at a local university. And I had just gone up for my last uh, level of promotion at the faculty level. And I was waiting to hear back. And it's like a year-long process for faculty. We turn stuff in and then we wait almost a year to find out if we actually got promoted or not. Oh, wow. And I Yeah, and I, I had after filling out all of like, it's like three, four inch binders worth of stuff that you have to tell them. And after doing all of that, it was like, well, what do I do now while I wait? So I sat down and I was trying to think of like a gift to give my mom actually for her birthday. Um, Cause what do you get somebody who has, you know, an Amazon prime account and just like <laughs> pops on Amazon whenever they need something. Yep. Um, so I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to give this book writing a try and I'm going to give her the book for her birthday. And if she likes it, then we're going to see, you know, if this can be published. And so I sat down, I started writing and I quickly realized that I had to learn a lot of things. <laughs> and so I took, um, a creative writing certificate, uh, and then I wrote some more and finally, I got to a point where I could give her something to read for her birthday. Um, and she had to do a scavenger hunt. And then she found the manuscript of my first novel, which would be The Secret of Dunhaven Castle. And she liked it, obviously. So we published it. And then I wrote another book and another and another um, until I finally had like something like, I think I have six series out right now and two more on the way. So um what drove me to become an author was really kind of that desire to, hey, I've always wanted to write a book, and now I'm going to finally finally do it when I found a down moment. That's so cool. So what was the inspiration for that very first one, specifically? Uh, so I've always been kind of a, a gothic mystery fan. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something that was kind of reminiscent of almost like a Victoria Holt and she was gothic romance and I did not want to do the romance bit <laughs> um, but I love the gothic castle and the you know what I, what I used to call when my grandma would read them girls running away from castle books <laughs> um, there's always like a girl running with her gown flowing away from a gothic looking castle and I thought that would be right. super cool to write a book uh, that has one of these gothic castles in it and has you know this young heroine going over to the castle and and I changed it up, modernized it a bit, and then um, decided to put kind of a twist on it that kind of pulls in into almost a cozy fantasy uh, genre. And uh, so I knew I wanted to, you know, how can you have a castle without like a haunting story or a ghost story? But I knew I didn't want it to be a traditional ghost story. So that, that was my inspiration for the first book uh, that I wrote. Wow. And then, of course, I went in. I I went on to my second book. I did not write the sequel um, to that book. Next, I wrote a new series, and it was because I was afraid everybody would hate Kate from the first book. <laughs> so I expanded into a new series, and that one was um, very heavily influenced by the um, gothic TV show Dark Shadows. So that that one was really heavily pulled by the fact that I think when I was a teenager, my mom said, Hey, there's this show on sci-fi that I used to watch as a kid. I would run home from school and watch it. 
And um, you might want to check it out. I think you might like it. And I fell in love with the show and then, you know, started writing the Shadow Slayer series based heavily off of what I had seen on that program. That's that's funny. My parents said the same thing about Dark Shadows, that they rushed out to catch it every day. (laughs) So... Yeah, that's the story from a lot of people that, you know, watched it on the first time around. It was like, you know, it was on right at the time where I ran home from school and like had to run through the door and watch Barnabas. (laughs) Yep. Well, that's actually a great segue. So do you want to talk about the genre that you picked and and how you pick the parts of genre that you use for your stories and maybe give some examples of the uh, of those that you've read or experienced that you hold in? high esteem? Sure. So I'm one of those authors that can't pick a lane. Um, If you look at, you know, at the series that I currently have out, um, like I said, the first one I wrote, I call cozy mystery, but really it's probably cozy fantasy, which seems to be a new term coming out. But a lot of my things are heavily influenced by fantasy, which is something that I've always, uh, that I've always liked in terms of books and TV shows and movies. And so, you know, Lord of the Rings and those types of things always influenced me a lot um, as I was reading and and watching shows and watching movies and things like that. So I think my genres have a lot of um, a lot of fantasy elements, no matter what I picked, but I really, I, I've got historical mystery. I've got pirate adventure. (laughs) I've got Indiana Jones style adventure um, I've got a, a, you know, a historical supernatural mystery. I've got the Shadow Slayers, which is obviously urban fantasy or supernatural suspense. And then I've got like the cozy mystery series. Um, but they they all kind of have a, a little bit of an element of fantasy because that's really what intrigued me as a reader or a viewer from a very young age was this idea that there is this whole other world just beyond most of our grasps but that some people get, you know, hints of, or they get to see a little bit into. And and I've always found that idea very, very intriguing. Sure. So what, uh, what, what books or shows do you think would uh, represent those genres that have inspired you or, or that you read that you thought that's awesome. And I'd love to do something, you know, in that environment. (laughs) So there's a lot, like like I said, I, um, you know, I, I'm an eclectic reader, I'm an eclectic watcher, um, and it's funny, one of the things that uh, really has inspired me, uh, probably some of the drama that drives my books, because a lot of readers say, you're, the investment in the characters and the character development and the relationships that happen in the story are one of the big draws to some of my books. And I think that's because I was actually always an avid soap opera fan, whether it was primetime soaps or daytime soaps. I I watched them from a young age. Um, you know, my, my mom would watch them and I would watch them with her. Um, and then, you know, even as I grew up, I would watch reruns of Dynasty and there's like the whole new Dynasty that's on now. And yes, I watch it. I'm a big fan of, of Blake on that show. And I think everything this, you know, everything is so over the top on soap operas, right? I mean, these these people, even in daytime soaps, go from, you know, situations where they're being held hostage to, you know, the next day they're just shopping like nothing happened. And then the next <laughs> yeah. day they're, you know, having a miscarriage. And then the next day they're right back out. And, and I think um, that element of high stakes drama is really so fun to bring into into things because, you know, for most of us, our lives are probably fairly boring. Yeah. Um, you know, we get up, we eat the same things every day, we go to work, we see the same people, we almost have the same conversations in some cases. So I think, you know, bringing in that that element of surprise and that element of, um, you know, high stakes relationships and things like that is always something that's influenced me. And it's something that most people, you know, wouldn't guess. Um, obviously, you know, Indiana Jones and Laura Croft influenced me to write the Maggie Edwards adventure series. Those are obviously really big, um, movies, really big programs that I certainly enjoyed, but I I think that the the hidden secret, um, behind some of the, you know, very tenuous relationships that exist in my books is probably those soap operas. (laughs) Well, you know, those melodramas are a really good source of inspiration for just elevated and dramatic conversations and, and, uh, dialogue, 
that somehow these people are tasked with selling <laughs> in a way that engages the viewer. Because sometimes when you're watching those, it's like, well, did he really say that? <laughs> right. I know. And, and I had said in, in another um, interview that I was doing, because they were talking about the dialogue in some of my books being, you know, sometimes very dramatic and, and things like that. And I said, well, it's really influenced because, the, you know, I think I wrote one of the books while I was um, binge watching the old dynasty. And it was like their dialogue was always like they got so much into every dialogue and they were always, you know, snapping at each other and snarking at each other and, and all those types of things. It really helps write really conflict uh, driven dialogue a lot of times. Sure. Yeah. I took a lot of inspiration from some of the 80s science fiction for some of the books I've been doing. So the dialogue gets a little uh, cheesy because the characters don't really, they, they live in a world where that's just, that's okay. And right, that, and that exactly. cheese is embraced by the readers because they're like, "I love that show." <laughs> so, right, exactly. Right on. So, when you experience something like writer's block or driving to a deadline, I mean, it sounds like you you probably know about deadlines more than most, considering your uh, university time. But how do you overcome writer's block? What sorts of things do you do uh, to advance? when maybe you found an obstacle or resistance to the progress? I, I think one of the things, one of the key things that I learned very early on was that sometimes you, you know, you've got to create this. Um, it's almost like running a marathon. You, you've got to train for it. So you've got to train yourself to write through you know, write a thousand words a day, no matter what. And it doesn't have to be great. And sometimes it isn't. Um, but you know, sometimes you get to a point where it's like, I don't want to write this. This is like the boring where I'm just transitioning from scene to scene, or this is like <laughs> the boring dialogue where they're just gonna, you know, say, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Before everything breaks loose. Um, and there really is an element of, you know, knowing that you have to persevere through that and training yourself to write through it, um, by saying, look, I've got to get a thousand words on the page. Um, per day or 500 words or 100 words or whatever you set yourself up and then work up to, you know, a higher level. But I think that one of the other things that helps me through writer's block a lot of times um, is either, you know, putting on background noise, whether it be, and, and a lot of people think this is funny, but I write with the TV on um, because I learned to because uh, when I first started writing, I kept it secret so no one knew what was going on. Huh. And so right. I would, you know, sit down for family time at night and the TV would go on and it was like I had to learn to write with that background noise. So that became normal to me. But one of the things that I think helps push through is either put on something that I really enjoy watching, like maybe put on The Office, which is a show that I love watching, which has some great comedy dialogue hmm. um, on one of those old soap operas or even put on um, music. And a lot of times it's not lyrical music. Um, but we do book trailers for every one of our books. And if there's a, a song that I've heard on a stock site that I think, wow, that would be a super great fit for this book. I will listen to it almost nonstop over and over. It's funny because people say, you know, give your readers a playlist for the book. And I'm like, I'd feel bad because they <laughs> one song just played on a continuous loop because it helps me work out the kinks and get the feeling of what I'm going for overall with the book. That's a really cool way to find rhythm. I like it. What uh, what kind of tools do you use for your writing? I'm talking like the the actual physical process. Do you do it on laptop? Do you handwrite? Word processor? Any editing tools? I'm definitely um, a laptop, a typer. So um, when when you work a lot in statistics and data science, there's lots of coding. So I'm pretty good at typing. So typing for me was fairly natural. Um, and in fact, I, I was just on vacation and I took a notebook with me in case I had something brilliant that couldn't wait. And I was going to write it down. I never touched it because it was like, this would be so much faster when I just do it on the laptop. <laughs> so um, I definitely uh, I definitely use that. I've, I'm a fan of Scrivener. Um, I started out on just, you know, Word um, and quickly when I wrote my time travel series quickly became bogged down by what day it was and what date it was. 
And so um, I started using uh, Scrivener instead because you can actually put in different components to your manuscript. And so I started writing them by day and date. So I knew when and where my character was at any given time. Oh, that's uh, since cool. It was very important in that one. Um, so I, I trained myself at first. It was really hard. I was like, wow, it's so much easier just writing word. Um <laughs> Uh, but I've trained myself to use that. And then I think the other interesting thing, I, I'm I'm a little bit of a rare gem with this, but a lot of people, and I did not realize this ahead of time, a lot of people write chapters, like, you know, I'm going to write a chapter this week and a chapter next week or whatever. And I write and then chapter up after. So I literally sit down and, and write straight through 90,000 words, obviously not in a day, but straight through <laughs> 90,000 words. And then I go back through and I'm like, okay, this part will be chapter one and this part will be chapter two. So I, I do things in kind of an unconventional way. Um, I know a few people do that, but not many. So it's one of those interesting quirks that I have. Sure. So, so to clarify, you actually use Scrivener now for your word processor as well as all your organization. Right. Yeah. I, I use that and I've, I've really grown to love it because, um, it allows you to keep your notes right there. Um, which again, with sometimes with time travel series can be really difficult, but I, I put pictures in there. I put maps in there. So I have everything, you know, right at my fingertips. Cause what I found was, you know, working on word and then, um, you know, trying to search like where, wait, I had a map. Where was it? <laughs> did I save it in the folder. Did I save it somewhere else? Did I take a screenshot? And now I can just, you know, screenshot it and stick it in the notes on the side. So it really makes it so much nicer to be able to keep everything organized and in one place rather than me like hunting things down in Dropbox. Sure. Your description actually sounds like you listened to my last podcast because I went through and discussed all of the tools that I use uh, for my work. And when I got to Scrivener, it, it was practically word for word for what you just said, um, trying to extol its virtues there. And uh, let yeah, people know why great. to use it. Yeah, it is, it is fantastic. I did not like it at first. Like I said, I was like, this is hard and it's not like Word. And then when I got used to using it and I saw how powerful it was to keep everything together, I just fell in love with it. You know, the only thing I really want it to do is I use, uh, I'm in the uh, Apple ecosystem. So I really wished that it would um, back up to the iCloud instead of Dropbox. Right. And, uh, when I, I use the uh, iPad to write and a MacBook Air. So obviously two different types of Scrivener. Um, but when they back up, they have a hard time talking to each other as well. So not really a fault of Scrivener, but it would be nice if, if they'd make an update to, to make right. those talk yeah. a little better. Right. Yeah. I'm on a Mac too. I have a Mac and then I have a, uh, an iMac desktop and, um, I know if I don't, you know, I have to be really careful because if I don't shut it down when I'm working on my laptop, it'll be yelling at me on the iMac when I get on there. It'll be like, well, this is open somewhere else and we're going <laughs> to have a conflict. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah, I know where you're coming from there. So what we, we already kind of talked about what you said with the having the discipline to write a certain number of words, perhaps in a day, whether it be 500 or however many you can you can do, but what, what is your routine at this point? Now that you have gone through that training, do you have like a ritual time? A great example is that Roger Zelazny suggested that when he would write, he would start in the morning and he'd sit down and do two sentences minimum. And if he wrote more great, and if not, he'd stop, he'd come back in the afternoon and then the evening and call it quits. And so that's what I'm kind of meaning when I talk about a ritual. Right. I, um, it depends on how, on what my word goals are for the day too. Um, what I like to do is in the mornings, I like to get stuff out of the way. So like marketing stuff and, um, editing stuff while I'm like completely fresh and I can concentrate, um, you know, and even work emails and things like that. Um, if I have, um, a really slow morning and there's like, I'm not doing anything with ads or I'm not doing anything with editing. Uh, I'll write, um, in the morning, but in general, I usually write in the afternoons and evenings. And again, I, this is a product of what I got used to, um, because I was writing in the afternoons and evenings whenever, um, I started writing because I was at the time, um, I was, you know, on campus doing some face-to-face -face classes and so, you know, unless I had a free moment on campus, which was usually rare, 
I would be, you know, writing when I got home in the evening. So a lot of times that's one of my most creative times. Um, but if I'm like in a push where like, I, I just, um, we just went on vacation like a, a, about two weeks ago and right before it, I was like in this crazy push to try to finish a book. Cause I didn't want to come home and be like, you know, 90% of the way through and then try to pick up the tone to yeah. finish it. Um, so I was writing like morning, noon and night at that point. Cause I knew I wanted to, so I was writing around every possible second that I could find. Cause I knew I wanted to finish it. Um, but usually in general, um, it's like get all the stuff that I don't want to do. Like authors never want to do marketing. Authors never want to do <laughs> that kind of thing in the morning. And then, you know, I, I kind of have my time in the afternoon and evening to say, Hey, I get, now I get a chance to, to do what I love to actually create. That's so cool. Yeah. I like that. I, you know, uh, John Grisham, uh, I really, I'm not a huge fan of his books so much anymore, but I was really inspired myself by how he got into writing because actually he has a similar story to you in the fact that he had wanted to write, but he was doing the legal thing. And so he would just get up extra early every day before court and write his books and then go to court and do his, his day job basically until he finally got one that was done and tried to flog it. So, uh, pretty, yeah, working around that day job can really, um, give you some interesting rituals, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I basically, the next thing I want to talk about is going to be, I'm going to hit you with three different things and it's basically, uh, work, that left an impact on you. It's, it's similar to asking you for a favorite, but that's not fair because for my point, I uh, would have a different answer for my favorite, anything given every given month. So what Me is too. a, yeah, I bet. What is a book that left an impact on you and why? Um, I don't think I can pick one book specifically, but I'll, I'm going to say the Nancy Drew series as a whole. I think I don't know if you can find too many girls who didn't read Nancy Drew, particularly um, from my age and up, um, because the, those were one of the first books, I think, that, you know, you and we were introduced to as a young girl um, that you read on your own. And Nancy was very empowered. Uh, you know, she was like, I think sometimes when I think back, I think, was it real? Did I really read what I was reading? Like she was like 17 <laughs> and running all over the globe, <laughs> yeah. little parental supervision, solving mysteries. But you know, it was that sense of freedom and empowerment and, and mystery and solving things and figuring things out that I think probably inspired lots and lots and lots of women to, you know, go into a career or go into their life emboldened a little bit. Um, and I, I think there's a sense of, and, and my, certainly my Kate Kenzie mystery series, people say it's like reading Nancy Drew all grown up. And there's, there's that sense of having that, you know, cozy mystery feel where, you know, you, you worried for Nancy, but you didn't worry that much because you knew she was probably going to be okay because <laughs> it was a kid's book and they weren't going to kill off Nancy Drew. Um, so there was this sense of like mystery and suspense but it was tempered back. And, and I think that's something that, that really stuck with me when I started writing um, the Kate Kenzie mystery series does definitely have that cozy Nancy Drewish feel to it. And to lend some, some weight to your, your thoughts there. I mean, it's persevered through multiple mediums. I mean, there's a huge video game series that's adventure games for that. And that new show recently came out and there's multiple <laughs> movies. So yeah, I can, I can uh, see what you're talking about. What about movies or shows? Speaking of so, uh, movies, series, either one, whatever you'd like to mention that that left an impact. So uh, it, this again, this would probably really depend on you know what even month it is for me <laughs> to even for leaving an impact because um, I'm so eclectic in watching and and reading and stuff, but. I'm going to go with Dark Shadows because, like I said, most of my uh, stories are extremely character-driven and they have kind of a fantasy element. And that was really due to what the work that was done on that particular show. 
um, where, you know, it was the real world. And this was really probably one of the first examples on TV of where they mainstream TV brought in urban fantasy. And it was like, hey, you know, these people are living up on the hill and everybody acts like it's normal, but there's a vampire running around. And they kind of, <laughs> some people start to suspect and some people figure it out. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a vampire and there's also a witch and there's also a werewolf. That's okay. We'll just have to live with it. Um, <laughs> and it was so interesting and intriguing to me um, the way that they wove in all these supernatural elements, but it wasn't fully fantasy like Lord of the Rings, but yet it also wasn't, you know, fully reality, like a regular soap opera, but they had like mashed them together and created this world where character relationships were as important as whether or not somebody was an immortal or a mortal. Um, and it really stuck with me. It really impacted me. And it definitely really impacted a lot of the work that I do as an author. There's a couple of things about Dark Shadows that just really drives it for me, too. I love the fact that when you're watching some of them, you can you can see that they were probably, if not learning their lines, seeing their lines on the teleprompter for the first time. And the people who were doing that were talented enough to pull that off. I mean, you can still see it because you're observant and have seen too many things <laughs> like we have now, but it's right. still awesome because it f makes it much more invested. And they were obviously, they cared about what they were doing. And the other yeah. thing I was really loved about dark shadows is that they didn't fear trying new things. Like there's a whole story arc that involves a Lovecraftian element that they basically lifted straight from the uh, Cthulhu mythos. So it's yeah. really they awesome. A lot of, like what people would be familiar with and already liked, which is a really cool uh, approach. And then, you know, obviously, you know, even though there, you can see some of those mistakes and some of those flubs when they're trying to get their lines off the teleprompter, but you know, they were live on tape. They literally ran this like a live show and, and the, some of the things that they recovered from, you know, and kept a straight face and just kept on going. Like it was nothing was incredible. They were just incredibly talented. Yeah. I love it. I actually didn't know that uh, Jonathan Frid was from Canada. He attended a university that my friend works at. So I was like, did you know that? And they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. a big alum. I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what about music? Is there any particular music that uh, you like if you want to make it more broad, maybe a genre, something like that? Um. I don't know if I can pick out specific music that inspires me. I know that this was always hard for me. This is one of the challenges that like for author social media was like do a playlist. And I was like, oh, gosh, I don't even know what I'd pick. Um, I listen to a lot of instrumental music. And I think, um, you know, the type of stuff that you get on stock sites, honestly, and I think one of the things that's the most interesting to me is how they layer in lots of different elements. So if um, if you look, for example, at one of my book trailers for my historical mystery series, Death of a Duchess, it's actually an epic. It said, I think the description was epic rap with <laughs> Scottish bagpipes. And I was so taken by this music I just kept going back to it and back to it and and when we were doing the book trailer and the graphic designer was talking to me about music and she was like okay yeah we can do something with bagpipes and I found that track and I was like it's this it doesn't matter if it's in the 1800s giving her the epigraph beat with Scottish bagpipes behind it is like the coolest thing I've ever heard <laughs> um and she went with it she worked with it it was it turned out to be one of my favorite book trailers um, but it was a very unique way of layering in all of these different elements because I, I remember listening to bagpipes for that series for days and it was like everything sounded so dirgy and so serious. And I was like, well, she has an element of fun and that really brought it in. And, and honestly, hearing some of the music that people create and sell on these stock sites is amazing to me on how they layer sound in. It reminds me, I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie, um, Plunkett and McLean? I have not. Um, it's uh, it's about highwaymen in the 1700s, and they use music very much like what you just described, where it has a mix of modern and uh, and the period. It's actually by uh, Tony Scott's nephew, I think, directed it. It's not well liked by critics, but it's actually a lot of fun. So I'm going to have to try it, because yeah. I never agree with critics anyway. Yeah, it's got Johnny Lee Miller and... Uh, 
Robert Carlyle, so it's super fun. Kind of an extended Adam Ant video, actually. <laughs> I'm going to have to definitely look it up because it sounds like something I'd like. <laughs> it might. Um, so could you name something that you think everyone should experience? It could be other writers or creatives or just something that people should do that would make them appreciate uh you know, reading things or experiencing things. You know, these days people are so quick to just consume and move on. Uh, you know, they might read <laughs> two cozy mysteries a week and they're mm -hmm. just eating it up. So is there something you think someone should experience that might help them sort of have a broader appreciation for the things that they... I think one of the things that everyone should experience is a conversation with an author, whether you like their book or not. Um, honestly, I love engaging with my readers. I have, um, you know, my Facebook page, my Instagram page, but I also have, um, a reader's group on Facebook called, um, I think it's Nellie H. Steele's mystery readers group or something like that. Um, and I love interacting with the readers and seeing what they think or what they guess is going to happen next or you know, what they felt when they read it. And I think that's one of those things that makes the reading experience much more personal. Um, like you said, people are consuming so quickly and it's very easy to forget that there's a real person behind that story. Um, you know, when, when you're reading and I love to hear, a, you know, a reader say, Hey, I binged your book in one day. When's the next one coming out? And I'm like, Oh goodness, like a year from now, because I still have to write it. Um, and it takes us, you know, months and months sometimes to write this and then to edit it and then to have someone else edit it and then to have someone else read it and say, hey, what about this or what about that? And then to edit it again. And um, there's a whole process involved. So it, it definitely takes us a, a long while to get through this. And, you know, people can consume them in, in a matter of hours in some instances. And I think it's very easy to forget that there's, you know, a human being who put probably months of their life into that story, whether you loved it or hated it, you know, they'd like to know that you read it. Um, and they'd like to know if you hated it, what, what you didn't like, you know, if it was <laughs> not for you, that's fine. But if it was something like, you know, your main character said, you know, goodness gracious, 70 times, and it really got on my nerves. It's something that we can work on. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I love, um, I honestly love connecting with, with readers and I've got a great group in that readers group already. And there we're always looking for, you know, more people to hop in and, and have great discussions. And, um, but I, I have readers, you know, message me daily. I always respond personally to everyone who messages me because I think it's important, um, that, you know, that readers understand that, you know, we're working hard to try to make something that they enjoy and that we do enjoy, um, you know, discussing things with them. You're not bothering us. You know, I always take time out, even if I'm, you know, in the middle of editing, I definitely will take time out for you then. Um, but even if I'm <laughs> in the middle of a project that I'm really passionately writing about, if somebody messages me, like, it's like, I, I can stop what I'm doing because I love to connect with people who have read my books and who have said, Hey, you know, this, I, I really like this, or, you know, this really moved me, or I really detested this or something. And, and um, I, I just love to have that conversation with readers. I had a very similar experience to what you're describing with the binge. We um, used to go to conventions to sell the books because I have a long-running urban fantasy series. So uh, the time I'm thinking of, we went and uh, I had six of the books there. And someone bought the first one on the first day of the convention. They read it that night and came back. And like, please tell me there's more. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> That's intense. I couldn't read it that fast. <laughs> I read really fast and I wrote it. Right. <laughs> like, my goodness. And they knew nuanced details that just blew me away. So that was a pretty interesting uh, experience. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, how about we've kind of talked about some of your work broadly. Is there any particular series that you'd like to throw out some information on? something that you would like you you think how about this let's turn it around what is a series of yours that would be a good introduction to your writing that would capture someone to read more of the of your work i think 
Um, probably it would be the Kate Kenzie series. Um, and the reason I think that well, that's my most popular series in terms of um, what I hear most back on from the readers, um, Kate is consistently one of their favorites. Um, and she's kind of a cozy fantasy, but she, you know, she has mystery elements. She has a little bit of adventure elements. She's got time travel and she's got um, fantasy elements. So I think it's a nice jumping off point into any of the other series. And in fact, Kate is kind of like our flagship series. Uh, and you'll see other characters pop in and out or she'll pop in and out of other character series. So, um, you know, book four of the Kate Kenzie Mysteries is a crossover book with the Shadow Slayers. The Shadow Slayers show up in Dunhaven and, you know, her world is completely turned upside down by the fact that she learns about, you know, this whole urban fantasy thing that's happening. Um, so, you know, the, and she she jumps back and forth. She appears in the adventure series. Um, you know, the the woman who's the main focus of the adventure series visits her in Scotland and stumbles upon, you know, an adventure, of course, and drags Kate in with her. So I think Kate is probably that um, that anchor series that, you know, if you're going to try something, um, it's a nice mix of everything. And then you get a little bit of everybody's characters and you can kind of be like, oh, you know what? I really enjoyed reading about Damien and Michael and Celine. Maybe I'll hop into their series and learn about them from the beginning. Or I really enjoyed, um, you know, the adventure, the reference to Maggie Edwards um, and the adventure she's having. And Kate knows her and talks about it. And so maybe I'll hop in and see, you know, what's going on in that series. So it, she's a nice... Um, mix. She's related to a couple of other series too. And, and I think it's a good representation of some of the different elements in those series. So what's the first book in that series called? It's the secret of Dunhaven castle. Oh, that's that one. Okay. Uh, yep. It's the first, it's the first book I published, which is still my most popular series and book. Um, and then, you know, she, she moves through several different mysteries and then she's now She's, we're into a new series arc where she will start to bring in some more fantasy elements and things like that. So she's kind of a neat, um, a really neat mix of like murder she wrote and Doctor Who. <laughs> so there are a lot of books in that series then, but you you just mentioned that uh, story arcs basically. So is it, um, do you title those differently and it just has the same character? Like maybe there's four books in this particular series and six in the next one or something like that? Uh, for the Dunhaven one is always something at Dunhaven Castle. So you can always pick up on Kate's books by seeing Dunhaven Castle in the title. Got it. Um, so even as we move through different series arcs, but, um, you know, she's, she kind of starts out very, very cozy and, and she's very naive and, um, you know, she learns about the secret of Dunhaven Castle and then she uses it to solve a murder and then to solve a, um, a jewelry heist and then we move into like a new story arc where she really gets like her world turned upside down again. And then there's all these new things that she has to learn about. And then we're moving through that one. And then she's going to have her world turned upside down again. And she's going to move through like a new set of, of problems and dilemmas and, and um, bad guys and that kind of stuff. So it's always something at Dunhaven Castle. Um, but you can kind of see her evolve. And that was one of the big things in the, in the series is that she's an American woman who happens to um, end up inheriting a castle in Scotland. And so she goes through a bit of culture shock as she moves over and becomes a countess. Um, <laughs> it moves to Scotland, becomes a countess. Besides the secret of Dunhaven Castle, she's got some growing up to do, even though, you know, she starts out in her mid thirties. Um, but she's, you know, this mild mannered college professor who's just trying to make her way through life. And then she finds out she's, you know, an heiress and her whole world changes. And she, you know, she suddenly is no longer trying to, you know, wrangle students into turning in papers, but she's, you know, trying to be gracious hostess at the Christmas party and things <laughs> like that. And so she really evolves as not only um, in terms of like all these shockers that happen in terms of the secret and then all these other elements that come in, but she evolves in terms of, um, you know, going from just Kate to Lady Kate. Oh, nice! That's awesome. Um, what are you, what are you currently working on now? What's the, what's the current project, or at least what can you set talk about it? 
Well, I just finished up right before I went on vacation. I finished book five in the Shadow Slayers series. And then uh, I think two nights ago, I just finished book six in the Kate Kenzie series. Um, and it's funny because those two are starting to get more and more related. I, I know I mentioned a crossover between those series in book four. And then now they're going to come back together in book six. Um, and book six took me by surprise. Book five comes out later this year and I had finished it earlier this year and was like going to move on to another project. And then suddenly book six came knocking at my door and was like, no, I want to be written right now. And I could not ignore it. I mean, the story was way too powerful for me to kind of shelve and go on to something else. So I actually wrote it consecutively with shadows five and finished it up. Um, when I got home from vacation, I finished it like two nights ago and I am, it's, I did not expect this story. So I'm not a plotter. I'm a pantser, which means I just write as I go. Things happen. Um, I did not expect this story. Not oh, wow. at all. <laughs> I am completely surprised by what happened. Um, I, I ran it past a couple of, of people who, you know, provide beta readings for me and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, guys, this is a major change to what I anticipated the series to look like at this point. Um, it's gonna, this is going to happen. And they were like, Whoa, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I thought that too, but I'm in love with this story and it would not stop. And I had to write it and I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't put it on the back burner. And so it, it's written better or worse. It's written. And we're going to see how, how people like the new twist that's coming. That's awesome. It's cool to take enough of a chance that make people go, Whoa, what? Are yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can you talk about, I have, um, your book, um, here, one of the Shadow Slayer series, and it mentioned that you were an Indies Today finalist. What was that like? How did you, how did you get nominated or what was the process with that one? So, um, Indies Today is like a great site that will do a couple of things. Like they provide you with an editorial review. Um, and if, if you want, if you, you know, give them a little uh, extra money when you're doing your review, they'll do a video review for you, which is a cool new service that they're offering. But, um, you know, as part of when you apply to be reviewed by them, um, they enter you into, you know, their awards contest, their annual awards contest. And so when I was, you know, first starting out as an author, I was looking for affordable editorial reviews, which they um, provide. They're one of the best out there for affordable um, for new authors, editorial reviews. And I remember thinking, I don't know what's going to happen here when I first started um, sending my books to them to apply for reviews. And they picked The Secret of Dunhaven Castle when they reviewed it. Um, and in fact, I don't think, I think they've, you know, reviewed almost every one of my books at this point. Um, and I remember getting the first review back and it came back and my heart was pounding and I'm like, oh gosh, what does it say? Because this is the first editorial review I've ever gotten. It's, you know, it's not just somebody reading it um, off the street who's like, hey, I hated it. Hey, I liked it. These are people that read books, you know, for a living and, and write reviews um, about how they're written. And I remember the first review I got back was, I think, four stars from them, which I was thrilled with. Um, and then later, you know, as, as I improved as a writer and my writing improved and changed and, you know, I learned more about my craft, um, I, I sent in what I thought at the time was my, what I called, as I said, this is my worst work, um, <laughs> was Cleopatra's Tomb, Maggie Edwards' First Adventure. And, and I, I told everybody, even my beta readers, I said, guys, I don't know about this one. See what you think. I think this is my worst book I've ever written because this um, heroine is very, very different from me. So I made her, she's very outgoing. She's um, very opinionated. You know, she says what's on her mind and that's very much not me. Um, you know, everybody always says you'd be great at poker because you can, you can't read you no matter what, <laughs> you know, you're like very stoic. Um, so when I wrote Maggie, I thought, oh, have I really messed up in, you know, writing and creating this character, but I did want to write and create a character that, that was very different from myself. Um, and that was the one that became an Indies Today finalist. And I could not believe it. I was really blown away. Um, you know, they post the results on their, on their site, I think in like February 1st or something. And I'm, I was trolling through the site and I'm like, I wonder who won, you know? And I, I went on, I couldn't believe I saw my book. I can just, I can still remember like kind of getting like sweaty all over. Cause I was like, what are you kidding me? 
Um, so it was, it was a thrilling moment for me and I didn't even like win the top honor. I was just like, you know, picked as a finalist as one of the best books of the year. And I was, I was so thrilled to put that badge up. Yeah. That's um, awesome. That book. Yeah. That's super fun. Uh, what do you got in store for the future? I mean, we've talked about what you're working on, but what do what do you see in the next couple of years as far as your writing is concerned? Are you going to ramp up and do more? Are you going to slow down? What's, what's the plan? I'm, I'm actually in the process of trying to ramp up. So I, you know, I, I used to write, like I challenged myself. I started at 500 words a day. Then I went to a thousand a day. Now I'm trying for 2000 a day. And, and a lot of times, depending on the book that I'm working on or where I'm at in an editing process, I can get three or 4,000 words a day that are, you know, um, pretty decent that I'm not cutting, um, you know, later on. And I, I do plan to try to ramp up from there. I've got a book of ideas, um, that I jot notes down in and I have more ideas than I have time for at this point. <laughs> so, um, and I'm torn because I love all my series that are out and I'm producing books in every one of those. And I've got six of them out right now. And then I've got other ideas that I'm already working on or already, you know, putting through some of the writing process and things like that. And I know I want to get those going too. So, uh, you know, I'm the only course of action that I have would be to write faster. So I'm trying to train myself, you know, to write quality words as fast as I can to try to get, you know, more, uh, more of my ideas on paper, see what sticks, see what people like, just give people a variety of things that they can pick from. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. Um, getting that word count up is definitely a, uh, is a challenge for a lot of people. I've done one of the things that I do is mentor brand new writers, people who are like, I've got an idea, but what do I do next? And, uh, that is one of the things that we talk about is trying to find a rhythm that is comfortable for your day to day life and the things that you do, whether it's family or, you know, trying to, <laughs> have a little bit of downtime and actually complete a project. And um, oftentimes people are pretty ambitious. They're like, I want to write Wheel of Time. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's probably mm -hmm. not the, uh, that's not the day one <laughs> writing right. challenge you want. You might not achieve that. Let's build up to that. So um, I think that what you're talking about is, is a struggle for uh, everybody from beginner to, dramatically advanced yes exactly some days like i said some days i look down at my word count and i'm like wow oh my gosh i did so good and some days it's like pulling teeth to get to the 2000 or 1000 mark even you're like oh i can't i just i had nothing today <laughs> <laughs> yep that's what i was talking about with roger zelazny talking about it's the two sentences in the morning and the afternoon and the evening it's like if even mm -hmm. if i don't do more than that i i got a paragraph in <laughs> yeah yep so. That's great. Well, I wanted to wrap up with something that I think is probably at least in the top five most important parts of this conversation. It is where do people find your work and where would you like to direct people to get more information about uh, all of your, your different uh, series work, especially since you've got enough that it sounds like there'd be a great place to go that might organize it out so that someone can read them in the right order and that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So, um, you can definitely find out about all of our series at the website, um, a novel idea publishing.com, which is my little, um, publishing company that I own part of. Um, so that's a great place to start. Everything's available on Amazon. Um, I'm in Kindle unlimited. So if you're a Kindle unlimited reader, you can hop in and grab any of those books and read it for free, um, with part of your Kindle unlimited subscription. And then, of course, um, you know, I took advice very early on from, you know, other authors that said, be everywhere. So you can find <laughs> me on like Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm on TikTok, but I'm not real active yet, but I'm going to I'm getting there. Um, you know, so you can find me on those. You can find me on Twitter. Um, and then definitely one of the best places to get information is that Facebook group, um, Nellie H. Steele's Mystery Readers Group. Um, and there's a bunch of people in there that if, if I go on and an answer people all the time when they're like, where do I start or how do I read these? Or do you recommend like one whole series first or skipping around or, you know, how do you, 
how do you think this is the best way to do it? And there's people besides me in there who will give you lots of opinions on like, hey, I would read all of this series first and then I would go to this <laughs> one. And then I, so they, they definitely are a very helpful bunch of people. If you're new to the series, if, if you tell them like, hey, this is what I was in the mood for, they'll come in and they'll they'll tell you, well, you want to go read Maggie first. And then after you read Maggie, you're probably going to want to go to Kate. And then after you read Kate, you're going to go to Shadows. So they'll give you like the whole order on what they think is best based on your interests. So it's fabulous. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so two more things. Um, do you want to email me the links for your sites and I can put them in the description of the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. I'll get that to you as soon as we finish up. That's awesome. And uh, the last thing, is there anything else that I didn't talk to you about or ask you about or mention that you think everyone needs to know or that you want to say? Oh, gosh, I don't think so. I think I've probably chattered on long enough. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, I think we got everything in. But again, if anybody has any questions that you're like, hey, well, you didn't answer this or you didn't say that, you can always reach out to me. I am I, I try to be very um, accessible to readers who have questions. So just, you know, shoot me a message on on Facebook or Instagram and, and I'll get an answer back to you as quick as possible. That's awesome. And it's great. I want to thank you so much. Um, we actually took up as a little bit more of the time than I thought I had as in my mind that it would be around 45 minutes, but uh, we almost uh, used the entire hour. So yeah, uh, I told you I'm good at talking. I'm a college professor. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I had a great time hearing about all of this stuff and uh, your answers were amazing. So oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, uh, have a great rest of your evening for you over there yeah. on the East Coast. <laughs> great rest of your day for you. All right. Bye now. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, please visit the website at www.societycasefiles.com. And if you'd like to support the project, please visit www.ko fi.com slash society case files check out the links below for more information about nelly and all of her work and i look forward to seeing you next time bye